I hate moral victories, but with what we're facing right now, with the group we have, with the injuries, I'm proud of our guys for competing. Blackhawks Live. When the Blackhawks play these top teams, it feels like their focus is so heightened that they play better. Charlie Romeliotis. I think the difference, obviously, is the Blackhawks don't really have the talent. They're going to have to outwork a lot of teams and try to play tight defensive hockey. That Dickinson, Anderson, Felina line, it is clicking. That's cool. It's freaking awesome. Now, it's time to talk Hawks. Let's go, Blackhawks. Here's Joe Brand. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Jack Heinrich filling in for Joe Brandt tonight on Blackhawks Live. Normally I'm behind the glass producing. Tonight we got Patrick Hennessy filling in for me. And we got a lot to discuss here on this Blackhawks Live following a tough back-to-back losses for this Blackhawks team. Like I was talking with John Hansen before the news at the top of the hour. But this team is just its kind of been the story of the season so far through this first part of the season, first 30, 35 games or so. It's been up and down for the Hawks. And they've had some really, really good wins, beating some really good teams like they did against Colorado this past week at home. But then they follow it up with a couple of losses. And it's really for this team, they've had just a couple of lulls during games where they've played pretty well for most of the game. And then it's either they struggle in the third period or maybe a 10-minute segment in the second period uh, gets them into trouble and that ends up being the game. But hopefully that's something they can flush and forget is that the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and today are all mandated days off for the players. And tomorrow the Hawks will get back at it against Winnipeg at 8 o'clock. You can hear that here on WGN starting at 7.30 with Joe's pregame show. But digging in more into this last week with the Blackhawks, like at the beginning of the week after we had Blackhawks live, they had a great win against the Colorado Avalanche, a team that really dominated this Blackhawks team earlier in the season on that opening road trip. And it was a good response from them. They they there was that season opening road trip where the Hawks were, I think it was four home openers for teams on that road trip. They had a couple national TV games. I think they had three nationally televised games for Connor Bedard's starting the year with the Hawks. And they it was the last leg of that road trip, and they came out a little flat, and the game got out of hand really quickly for the Hawks. But this time around, Connor Bedard talked before the game. He's like, before that game, he was like, I don't even think I handled the puck at all in that game. And then this next game against Colorado this past week, he was flying around on the ice, making a bunch of opportunities. He didn't score, but he had a couple of points, had a really nice pass with his back turned towards the middle of the ice and flicked it backhand to Ryan Donato to set up the first goal. And Colin Blackwell came back from an injury that he suffered. He hadn't played for 295 days. He came back and was flying around on the ice, had a bunch of hits, laid a big hit on Nathan McKinnon, of the Avalanche later in that in, late in that third period when the Hawks were trying to protect that lead, and he he played really well. He he was great in the locker room after the game. I'm also in the locker room after the games with the players, and he was just really grateful to be back. And he gave the team a great boost. Luke, Luke Richardson said he gave he gave a great boost to to the team, and he was on that line, that third line with Felino and Dickinson, and they were doing so well, um, setting the tone, starting the game, and Blackwell played a lot in that game. And did a nice job. And his first came back, I think, at the end of that first period. It was the only time he really missed a shift. Other than that, he was out there grinding and just doing what that 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 line does with Dickinson and Felino. And it doesn't seem to matter 
who's on that line. They just do such a good job. They asked Jason Dickinson after the Montreal game about um, in the in the reporting scrum after about what um, why why they've they've had so many different line mates, Felino and Dickinson on the right side, but whoever has been on that line has done such a good job of fitting in, and that line's been one of their most productive lines. But the team went down 2-1. to one. They came back and got two quick goals, and Peter Morazic has continued his solid year, getting 29 saves, and the Hawks are looking to ride that momentum going into the game on Friday against the Canadians. They got Jared Tenorti back. They got Kevin Korczynski back. Um, Tenorti coming back from injury. Korczynski coming back um, after his father died, and he was able to come back. And the Hawks are getting a little bit more to full strength, but then Kurashev gets... Scratch with an illness, so the Hawks have been battling this injury bug, and they've had a tough schedule, but Colin Blackwell, again, continued his solid play, and he's just been really well, doing really well um, for the Hawks in these past couple games, making his debut, buzzing around, doing a bunch of stuff, setting up a goal with a great spinorama to Dickinson, who set his career-high 10th goal, who's been really well, good as well. But again, the Hawks, another third period, or a second, this time it was the second period, they had a little bit of a law against the Canadians, giving up three goals, and then they gave up two more in that third period and couldn't come back um, again. So that again, that's kind of the story of this team, a little bit of up and down a couple times. Maybe they just lose their focus. It's really been the question of this team and what's been consistently asked of, what, why, like, how do you fix it? And it's so far they've had trouble trying to, they say all the right things in the locker room, like we just got to focus and do this. And, but it just hasn't translated onto the ice. Again, it's a, it's a young team. They're learning how to win. There's a lot of guys on this team playing their first year in the NHL. The whole defense core is pretty much from Rockford and young guys. So they're getting a lot of experience and trying to learn how to win. And then we get to Saturday night when they take on the Blues, they go down a tough back to back for the Hawks. Playing, hosting Montreal Friday night and then flying down for one game in St. Louis on Saturday night. And then they get the three-day break and then they come back um, home for a game before going back out on the road for, I think, five or six games this next week going into the new year. But they, they looked awesome. I mean, Connor Bedard scores the Michigan goal, lacrosse-style goal, and the Hawks are rolling to begin the game and everything's looking great and they're up. They're up big and then they get to the third period and they, the penalties start happening. Three penalties. The first penalty, Nick Felino did a great job of getting a shorthanded goal, and you're up 5-2 to two, thinking that you're in good shape. But then the Blues answer back with back-to-back power play goals. The Hawks not playing clean hockey, getting in the penalty box. And the Blues, who had a struggling power play coming into that game, really capitalized on it after their coaching change, and they really got going. And they are able to rally and come back, and it's just a deflating loss, especially listening to... Taylor Radish and uh, Jared Tenorti, again, it kind of felt like that Arizona game when it just got out of hand quick, losing 8-1, to one, and then they had three days off and resting, or three days off in between, and well, hopefully it can be a little bit of a reset for the Hawks like it was there, and I think they came out and had a pretty good stretch, but hopefully they spent some time with their families and were able to forget about it and then get back on to the ice coming up here tomorrow but we'll get more into that and more in depth with that but we got to get to our first break and joe brand's kind enough to join me and let me bother him on his off day we'll talk to him next here on blackhawks live on 720 wgn hope you're having a good night thanks for tuning in and i'm thankful that joe is letting us bother him and willing to let us bother him today joe thanks for taking the time to hop on with me how's it going how was your christmas (laughs) doing good jack had had a good christmas with the fam still uh have some fam over here, so I appreciate you uh, 
keeping the car running and uh sounds like it's going great so great job <laughs> thank you i appreciate it uh so joe we've had a few days to think about and i don't know think about or want to forget that blues game but did anything else that i know you had a long post game but anything else stand out from you in the past few days from that blues game um anything that's you're thinking on want to get out <laughs> no no I, I think uh especially with an extended post game show we have plenty of time to air our grievances after that really rough loss um yeah i mean it's it was just one of those games where you know if you go into the break on that note it, it leaves a real sour taste in your mouth and then if you go into that break with a break with a very resilient win it's it's a much more positive thing right. and unfortunately for the hawks it was the earlier one but you know everyone I was talking to this holiday season just still wants to talk about the, the Bedard goal. And it really was a thing of beauty. And uh, it, it's just honestly good for the game of hockey, too, the fact that Trevor Zegers was able to do right. the same style of goal. And then, you know, all of a sudden you got people watching football games on Christmas talk about, hey, did you see that hockey game? Did you see Connor Bedard, what he did? Yeah, and then someone else did from California. So it's, it, it was pretty cool that it happened uh, twice in one day, kind of like lightning striking twice. But just so many things along with it, too, the fact that Wayne Gretzky was there um, being interviewed and like had a chance to comment on it. So it was, uh, it was definitely a cool moment. Unfortunately, it, it's just kind of the, the very small instance of a, a really rough loss for the Hawks, maybe the worst of the year. Yeah, it was it was funny listening to the post game, and I think some of the reporters there tried to ask like, "Hey, like I think they asked like Taylor Radish, like, hey, like like Bedard goal, like what'd you think of it?" And I think you said on the post game that Taylor Radish was just trying to be positive, but you could tell he was still mad about the game. Um, but it was it's a good highlight um, for sure, um, and for the game of hockey in general, like you said, it, it, it made the rounds, and Trevor Zegers doing it as well. Uh, the big question that I've been trying to think about, and I, we've been trying, and you've been trying on, and Troy's been trying on the pot and the on all the pre games and on the shows and all that is Arvid Soderblom and it, it, the team struggles when he when he plays. I know he's, I'm not a big numbers guy, and I think he's been better than what his numbers have shown. But the last two games have been rough. What do you what do you think is the next step with him? Yeah, I I, I do wonder if this most recent game was the last motivating factor to maybe do something and and send him down to Rockford and maybe pull up Jackson Stauber and get hit, give him a go. But, you know, I've I mentioned it a lot this year, and the, the difference is Jackson Stauber is not a guy that I, I think the Hawks were planning on having a part of their depth chart. So, you know, this was the year to really see what you could have in Arvid Sutterbloom now. Stauber's numbers are good in the NHL. He came up last year. It was kind of a whirlwind situation, but he took advantage of it. Um, he succeeded a good amount, but his numbers down in Rockford aren't very impressive this year. So do you contemplate the idea of bringing up Drew Camesso, who uh, has better numbers in Rockford, but I, this is his first year in the AHL. He's getting his, his feet kind of grounded in professional hockey for the first time in his career. Uh, 21 years old, but it's not uncommon to see someone come up at the NHL for that sort of stint. We actually saw it with Corey Crawford when he was even younger, and the Hawks had higher hopes. If not, I don't want to say higher hopes, but obviously high hopes for him as well at that time. So it, it would make sense if they brought up Comenso for maybe a couple of games and, and then brought him back down. But the outlier in that is what is Arvid Sutterbloom doing? How is he doing down in Rockford? Is he 
maybe gaining some confidence back? Does it look like it'd be the right idea to bring him back up? So it's it's almost like now they're they're forced into a situation to make a move based on Arvid Sutterbloom's season so far when before it was more about what is the best option for Drew Camesso, you know, looking at it down the line. There's there's um a whole bunch of upside that they got on all these guys, but they they're they're trying to look at it with like a, a three or four year plan rather than just what's going on right now. Right. Yeah, and that's part of the rebuild and letting Soderbloom have his struggles and trying to figure out what he is and um, it's definitely a tough situation. He's he's he hasn't had the best luck or defense in front of him and that sometimes happens when a hockey team is struggling but he might need that we'll, we'll see what they do tomorrow or if anything happens they're coming up with that tomorrow joe where this is kind of more of a general question since we've had three days off and the whole nhl's been off what is, what are your thoughts as a whole like where they stand at this Christ, a christmas break about 30 35 games in I mean, it's definitely a weird, weird season, yeah. right? A lot of ups and yeah. downs, which you expect, but ups and downs in different ways and, and different aspects. Um, I mean, I think the most promising and, and biggest upside this year is that Connor Bedard seems to be the real deal. And not only that, but I think he's continuing to grow and improve and just gain more and more confidence each day. Um, and you see those growing pains, but it's it's nothing ever super looming or super devastating. It's, it's just little things that you would expect a rookie to make, and they're becoming pretty much just temporary. Uh, the vision, the scoring ability, that's all there. That's translating to the NHL, just like a lot of the experts expected, but also just um, proving everyone's expectations right. So that I think that's the biggest part. The unfortunate part is it's been such a weird year record-wise and wins-wise and, and losses-wise that, you know, that, that kind of gets fans a little bit more restless. Um, but, but in the grand scheme of things, the main thing about this rebuild is the future talent and the youth and the biggest pillar of the entire rebuild, Connor Bedard, is doing what we all expected him to do. So that's a good sign. Um, everything else is, you know, it isn't great, but that is what a rebuild is. You're not expecting to fight for the playoffs year after year. And and I, I said this on the last postgame show, the difference, I think the biggest thing is last season went so well, almost perfect. I mean, nothing's perfect in sports, but almost every game was a hard-fought 60-minute effort. Um, almost every game, the Hawks had a, chance to maybe make it a game if not win um and then they land the rights for kind of a dart so they went every they went about the rebuild in the first year every way that they possibly could and they succeeded on it so it's almost like where is there to go but down from here in the second year um because it, it, what you're looking at what you're trying to improve on is is such a different category this season, and uh, everything went well for that last year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. It did set up perfectly, and you end up with Bedard, and now they're facing an, a little adversity. All right, one more for you, Joe. What's one thing you want to see from the Hawks tomorrow coming out of this Christmas break? Well, definitely a good start um, because we've seen what kind of a difference that can make for this team, especially at home. And, I mean, honestly, what we probably want to see for the rest of the season, and that's a good full 60 minutes of hardworking effort. I know it's it's all about gumption and getting the team riled up and ready to play, but that is something that this team is kind of lacking right now and why they're missing out on games or 
at least games where you can have a, a learning moment, a, a pivoting point because something goes wrong and then it, the team just can can be a little bit fragile here and there. So uh, a little bit more solidarity in that way, definitely a good start. And um, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe a turnaround game for Arvid Sutterbloom after uh, the rough performance against the Blues. Like you said, we might not know what we're going to see. And, you know, there is kind of a question, do you bring him down immediately after that game? What does that do to his confidence? Or do you wait a right. few days? So it'll be interesting to see what the Hawks do with that. And, uh, yeah, that's that's probably what I'll keep my eye on most. Yeah, definitely. That's that's good stuff and good points. And, Joe, I appreciate you letting me bother me uh, or bother you on your off day. And um, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good rest of your night, all right? Thanks. I'm sure I'm bothering you, too, somehow, some way, yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Joe. All right. That's Joe Brand. Appreciate him taking the time um, on his day off uh, and taking a few minutes just to talk a little bit about the Hawks. Good points. And, um, I liked what he was saying about Soderblom. It's, it's, it's such an interesting situation that the Hawks find themselves in with him. They want, they came in wanting him to be, um, maybe a, a, a number one goalie in the future. And right now he's struggling. He has four wins in his career, two of them this year. And I just think it's interesting that there's two wins this year are against the Maple Leafs. One of the better teams in the NHL. He won in Toronto in the first couple games of the season. And then he won one back here at home. So the Hawks will have a decision to make. We'll see what the rumblings are. They've they've publicly backed Soderblom, and Richardson said has as well, and trying to keep his confidence up. And it's always hard to to judge a goaltender on a team that's rebuilding because you don't always have the best pieces in front of you, and there's a lot of things you're trying to figure out and everything that could go wrong. It's hard to establish, but that's what you're trying to find in a rebuild is players that you can win with and go on into the future. But after the news, we'll dive more into Luke Richardson um, as the head coach of the Hawks and what it's looking like for him and what the Hawks need to do going in um, the rest of the year. I'm trying to be more consistent, have a good effort. I was talking with John Hansen in the little transition right before the six o'clock news or the seven o'clock news, and we're talking about why it's called the Michigan goal. And did a little research, did a little digging, and. In the United States, it's called the it's called the Michigan goal or the Michigan goal because of Mike Legg's alma mater. He's the one that has founded it, and and uh, Canadians typically call it the lacrosse goal. So that's why you kind of heard it used interchangeably after Bedard scored, and then later Trevor Zegers of the Anaheim Ducks, who actually has two. He did one two years ago on December seventh of two thousand and twenty one. So that's why you heard the lacrosse style goal or the Michigan goal. So a little bit of interchangeable there, but that's why. It's called that, so I learned something new today. But me and Joe were talking a little bit about Arvid Soderblom and what the Hawks might be thinking or what they should be doing. Or Nobody really knows what to do with this whole situation. And uh, It's tough because he's a young goaltender, 24 years old. They just converted his contract to an NHL contract this last offseason. Uh, I think it's basically a two-year contract, and they're trying to see – a lot here for the future in the in the rebuild. You're trying to see who's going to be going along with the team when they're winning Stanley Cups and competing and trying to get to the next Stanley Cup team. And this is the time you're evaluating against NHL talent. And Soderblom's had 33 starts um, in his career, four wins. Um, the win-loss record is not that good for him, but that's also a hard stat as well. There's a whole ton of things that play into it. And like I was telling with Joe, there's... I'm not a big 
just stats only guy. I don't think you can just look at the stats and know the whole story. There's a lot of variables, but he has struggled as of late and Luke has been riding Mrazek a little bit more now and he's played very well this year and solidified himself as number one goaltender after he has battled injuries throughout his career and um, been a little up and down. He's gotten a shutout this year and he's been really solid, but you look at Soderblom's last couple starts, Seattle, he had a rough one, allowing seven goals, six goals against St. Louis, the one before Seattle on December 10th against Washington, he allowed four goals. So he, he's been struggling a little bit, and like I said, uh, recently, and it's been an up and down year, and not what not what the Hawks were hoping for, and um, they've been trying to remain so, uh, positive, and Luke Richardson was asked what um, to do with uh, Arvid Soderblom or what to tell him after that, and here's what he had to say after the game against St. Louis. Yeah, and he made a real big save in the end of the second period right before Dickinson's goal, so that was huge, and I, and I hope you know, I mean, he can remember that for some confidence. I don't think uh, you know we played great in front of him in the third period, So, uh, and he still made a couple big saves there when it was tight, so you know what? It was unfortunate uh, for the result for him, but uh, you know he's going to have to look at some bright spots and work with Jimmy from there. So Luke Richardson after the game, and they've always been positive with with Arvid, and I mean that's what you got to do with a young player: take the positives. And he had some nice saves when the game was tied, and but he let one go through. And I think of one he would say he should have stopped from Folk on St. Louis that that last one that got through. Um, he got a piece of it, and it just kind of trickled into the back of the net, and then the Hawks were forced to pull him, and then they give up an empty netter on their way to losing that game. And when you look at that game and in the terms of the rebuild and with Arvid Soderblom, it, it looked like he was having a, a really good start and a bounce-back start, and every everything seemed to be going well, the good vibes for this team going into this three-day break. And they had a tough turnaround flying down to St. Louis, and then they would come back and then have the three-day break. But... It, it just everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and like I was saying a little bit earlier with the mental lapses and um, the little bit of lulls they have, or maybe taking shifts on and off. Isaac Phillips talked to us after the the Montreal game on Friday, saying that something that he's learning as a young defenseman is you can't take shifts off in the NHL. And he said a lot of a lot of the guys like him um, in that spot, a lot of the guys from Rockford that are getting called up are realizing that if you take a shift off. Um, a lot of times than not, that puck's going to end up in the back of the net, and um, it's just learning. It's a little bumps in the road, and they're, the Hawks have been forced to play a lot of young guys, uh, especially on the defensive side of of things. They've they've lost Seth Jones. Um, hopefully, he's coming back soon after the Christmas break. He's been out. Um, Alex Vlasic, who's been arguably their best defenseman, a young guy who's really solidified himself going forward in this early part of the season, looking like someone you could build with in the future. He got hurt. That that was your top D pairing for the Blackhawks with Seth Jones and Alex Vlasic. They're both out. Um, be interesting to see what happens in these last two games if you have those guys on the blue line there to calm things down, a veteran and a young guy who's playing really well. Um, but it was just it was it was just tough to see kind of just the them falling apart there at the end of the game and um it, it it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And after that game against Arizona earlier this year, the Hawks had, I think, I think they played on a Monday um, and then they didn't play till a Friday. So they had a long stretch and they started playing a little bit better. But the, these guys, have, they've been trying to find answers for the inconsistencies. And um, Jared Snorty was meeting with the media after and he offered what he thought went wrong in that loss against St. Louis. 
I think we just got cautious. I think, uh, you know, we we got playing not to make a mistake. We got playing not to lose. And I think that's in the end. I mean, I had an untimely penalty there in the third. And then, you know, just sit back. And we got cautious and, and, it, and it bit us. I mean, they're a good team. They got some good um, players over there that can make some plays. And, and when you sit back on, on teams like that, they can make a pick. When the momentum starts coming, is does it kind of exploit maybe lack of confidence or not a lot of experience i mean we got to learn in those moments we got to grow in those moments i think we've had leads before i think this year we've kind of given them up and battled back we've came back from down before too and i think um learning how to play in those situations especially on the road i think uh you know sitting back and sitting on your heels is is never the recipe to win i think uh you know more often than not national accolade they're going to jam it down your throat so um we got to be more aggressive i think uh you know you don't take chances but you, you stay on your toes and you push push the pace a little bit more so this is Jared Snorty, a veteran, coming back um, from injury a couple of games ago and then getting back in. He's been really solid for, for the Blackhawks. And yeah, I just went and looked back. They lost on Halloween to the Arizona Coyotes 8-1. to They didn't play till that next Saturday. They were able to get a win over the Florida Panthers, another good team, another big win against a good team that the Hawks had. So hopefully that's something they can look for there. But Tenorti and a lot of guys in the locker room, a lot of these veteran guys, Nick Foligno, um, Jason Dickinson, Seth Jones have been tasked with trying to help a young team along and not use it as an excuse. But when you're playing a lot of these young guys, there's going to be ups and downs. But I think Felino said a couple weeks ago, he was like, we're 20 games, 25 games in, um, and I'm paraphrasing, um, into the into the season, you're not rookies anymore. Um, you got to start trying to figure this stuff out. And it's the harsh reality of professional sports is trying to figure out how to win Um in professional sports we've seen it across all across all other sports during rebuilds it's hard for teams to sometimes learn that trade of learning how to win and so i know a lot of people in in rebuilds last year uh, when the hawks got a win i think it was their second to last game of the year they beat the pittsburgh penguins and everybody was up in arms about how that could ruin their draft position and they wouldn't be able to get Connor bedard luckily the the ping pong balls bounced the way of the Hawks and they were able to land Connor Bedard. So you never know how that goes. But people, I think sometimes people can get obsessed with the losing in a, in a rebuild. But this year, a lot of the Hawks fans have been calling in and saying, uh, how are being frustrated with losses. And I, I don't blame them one bit. It's, it's tough to be in a rebuild, especially in, in a town like this, where the bears are rebuilding the white Sox seem are teetering around with a rebuild they're not performing the cubs were in a little bit of a rebuild the bulls are falling after high expectations so there's a lot of frustration i get just across the board as a team as chicago sports teams deserve a winner and they've been trying to hopefully get one soon but this is still early in the rebuild this is year two and the hawks are trying to figure out who's going along in the future with this team when they're trying to compete and um, it's tough. The losing's tough, and I'm not excusing this loss this last Saturday against the Blues, but um, that's a loss that's really crushing, especially even in a rebuild when you're not built to win. You Losing games like that, I think, can hurt some of the players And um, going forward, and it's like, oh, yeah, here we go again in the back of their mind. That's something that's been talked about a lot on the broadcast is getting through and pushing through that, oh, no, here we go again in the back of your back of your mind so the Hawks they got good veterans Nick Foligno's been unbelievable in that dressing room Jason Dickinson's done a great job finding his voice as well he was able to wear the A on a road trip uh, after Seth Jones went down Um, it was a big deal for him and he talked earlier on Blackhawks Live with Joe earlier in the season about how he's been able to find his voice this year in his second year and 
Um, so those those guys, these young guys, are going to have to rely on those leaders, and they're going to have to help them along and trying to figure out how to win in this league. And they know how to win in this league, and they should draw confidence from big wins, sweeping Toronto, beating the Penguins, beating the Avalanche, coming back. But it's been hard with the injuries, with Taylor Hall's out for the year. Andreas Asensio has been out for a while. Seth Jones, Alex Vlasic, like I said. Um, this team sitting at 31st in the NHL, the same amount of points um, as the San Jose Sharks. Not not where we expected, but maybe in the long run it could be good for the future if they get another top pick um, going forward. Uh, and then s- continuing on with the these these young guys that um, the Hawks are having. Lucas Reichel is one that we've talked a lot about, um, that Joe's talked a lot about, that Troy Murray's talked a lot about. Um, He's he he hasn't had the year that everybody thought he was. I was high on him coming in to the season. He he gained a a lot of weight, took care of his body, was in the weight room. He was working all summer on being a center, and they were hoping he could be a center. And he's just been bouncing back and forth and between wing. He's been up on the top line, and he was down on the fourth line this last week and or this last game and. They, they did not play that much in that third period. I think they only took two shifts. Reichel had less than 10 minutes of ice time. So did Cole Gutman. And Reese Johnson was on there. And Luke Richardson talked about why we didn't see that fourth line that much in the third period. I was struggling a little bit, turning pucks over, I thought, in the second period. So, uh, you know, I think they had some good spots uh, early in the game. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, and then penalty trouble kicked in. And, uh, you know, you know, I mean, that was just we went with three lines and, and you know, we didn't get it done. So, um, you know, I mean, maybe we could have went with four lines. But, uh, you know, the way the middle of the game went, it just uh, it didn't look uh, like it was their night. So uh, they just didn't get the ice time in the third. So Luke Richardson explaining what went into his decision-making about that. And it's just been disappointing. They're trying a whole bunch of different things with Lucas Reichel. He had a really good game against the Avalanche um, earlier this week on the homestand. He scored a goal. He was up there with Connor Bedard on the top line. It looked like they were building some chemistry and gelling a little bit. And he was able to get a goal, and he was flying around. And it seemed like... Seems like when he gets a a goal or a good shift or an early point and early in a game, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of his game and and he plays with a lot more confidence. But sometimes he he's just out there and you don't really notice him. And he's he's super talented. Um, he, he's a guy you saw at the end of the last year play really well for the Hawks when they brought him up after trading Patrick Kane, and you're hoping that would carry over and he could be a guy going forward and. He's he's still auditioning to see where he can be. He's still a really young guy, but the Hawks, if they want to see the Hawks, want to see him get going, and they'd want to see him as a part of this future. And when you're looking at all these young Blackhawks players, Connor Bedard, obviously, like me and Joe were talking, exceeding expectations, highlight reels. It seems like every night is his vision, especially if you go to a Hawks game and you're able to watch. I think it's better to watch when you're sitting up higher above the ice. Um, that's just me, and that's just where our booth is. But um, you can see like what he's thinking, and with that higher view, that bird's eye view, you can see what he's thinking and trying to do with passes um, across the ice. And I think these guys are still getting used to playing with him. He's had a bunch of different line mates, and he's been trying to um, build chemistry with them and being able to figure out where they're going to be. But you could see like that Donato pass and some other ways he's able to get off his shot or like where he's looking. Um, he's he's a very special player. And Philip Kershev's looked really well, good as well. Um, he's been up there with Bedard. He got dropped to the second line coming back from an illness. But Luke Richardson said he could pop back up there 
um, whenever. And he's he's looked really good. He started the year hurt, and then he's come back and and he's played really well. Alex Vlasic as well. He's been one of the best defensemen on the team. Has a uh, plus five on the plus minus, and that's tied for second on the team with Joey Anderson. He's been been really really good. Um, so a lot of a lot of positives. But you're looking at Reichel and Soderblom. Hopefully, get in those guys um, going moving into the future. All right, the last segment of Blackhawks Live is normally when I get to say my final thoughts. But there's a new twist that me and Joe are going to do going forward, and I'll explain what that is next here on Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. And on this last segment, normally it's my last thoughts, but now my la- it'll still be my last thoughts um, going forward here, but it's going to be a little bit of a twist. Going to be more, I'm going to be focusing more on news and notes from around the NHL. That's just something Joe suggested and we came up with and keep us all informed about what's going on um, around the NHL and all the happenings with that. But the big thing that's happening this week and in the next couple of weeks is the World Junior Tournament is happening um, it just started today kicking off um, group stage play um, in Sweden. And uh, we had four games going on um, that have already finished. And the Blackhawks have six prospects in the World Juniors. Last year, the the whole buzz of the World Juniors was Connor Bedard being there, knowing that he was the number one pick and he's likely going to be the number one pick. This year, Macklin Celebrini, who's on Team Canada, is the likely number one pick and he's going to be there. Um, as well for Team Canada. But the Hawks have six six players in the World Juniors. Frank Nazar, Oliver Moore, Gavin Hayes, Sam Rizel. They're all going to be on Team USA. And then for Team Slovakia, uh, Adam Guyon, a second-round pick, a goaltender, um, is on there. The, he, he was the starting goaltender today for them. And then Martin Misiak, who played pretty well and was in camp with the Hawks. And he's off to a really, really good start um, at his junior hockey. Uh, he's played really well. He's He's playing as well. Um, for Slovakia, um, and they were able to get a win in their first game today. Um, and Team USA also got a win as well. But for Slovakia, Adam Guyon, he, he had a really, really good game, stopping 27 shots on 29 shot attempts, so 27 of 29 in their 6-2 to win. He played very well, um, starting for Slovakia in net, and that's that's another guy that the the Hawks are high on going into the future. A goaltender they picked in the second round this past this past draft, and Joe talked a little bit about Drew Camesso, and they have Jackson Stauber, and they also have Adam Guyon. So they have some guys in the pipeline. If Hawks fans are worried about goaltending going forward, they like Drew Camesso. They like Adam Guyon. He had a strong performance in his first World Juniors game as well, and Martin Misiak was able to get a point as well. He got an assist on a goal, so a good showing for them in their six to two win. And then Team USA was able to get. A win over Norway, four to one. Um, the Hawks having a bunch of guys, like I mentioned on there. Frank Nazar, I think, is the second centerman. Um, Oliver Moore's the odd forward out. Um, he only played seven shifts, but um, there are some clips on Twitter of him showing off his fast skating ability and um, showing why the Hawks picked him um, with their second first round pick um, after Connor Bedard, showing what he could do. He's currently a freshman at the University of Minnesota, and. Uh, Gavin Hayes played as well, and Frank Nazar had an assist. So the Hawks have some representation, something to follow through going into the World Juniors, but that's what's been going on here this next couple weeks. The World Juniors and the Hawks are definitely well represented. Kevin Korczynski and Connor Bedard could play. Um, They are eligible to play in that tournament, but they are sticking with the with the Hawks um, right now. With the the Hawks feel like they're getting more experience. 
with the big club. But other notes from around the NHL, um, Connor McDavid uh, had a New York Christmas, and it was all on ESPN. It was something they were pushing last week, was showing one of the best players in the NHL on national TV, which was I thought was a good idea, showing everybody they can what McDavid is all about. Uh, Oilers went 2-1. and one. They lost to the Islanders in the first game, but they beat the Devils in their second game, 6-3, to three, rallying for four goals in the third period. McDavid had a goal in that third period, and they ended up beating the Rangers. McDavid going for three points, one goal uh, in that little New York swing. But I just thought it was interesting how he played all those games out east, and then the NHL did a good job of branding that and hyping it up. The Dallas Stars on Saturday had scored two goals in 15 seconds to shock the Predators on, and it was it, the Predators were at home, and they were able to, and the Stars were able to come back and win three to two. They scored two goals in 15 seconds, under 30 seconds left. They were able to get that last goal. I think it was like seven seconds left before overtime. I remember watching the clip, and the two guys on there were, or the two announcers were like, "Oh, we're probably heading to overtime." Then boom, the goal scored. So it was the fifth multi-goal comeback of the season for the Stars, which is the most in the NHL. The Hawks did a good job of that last year, and they have a few this year. And then, lastly, to wrap this up here on Blackhawks Live, we have the Winter Classic on New Year's Day. It's going to be at T-Mobile Park. Uh, with the Seattle Kraken hosting the Vegas Golden Knights, the two newest teams from the or welcome expansion teams into the NHL. You can also hear that game here on 720 on New Year's Day starting at 1.30. But Kraken goalie Joey Decord has a baseball card-themed mask for the Winter Classic since it's going to be in a baseball stadium, um, which I think is pretty is pretty cool. It's on Twitter. I can retweet it. But he has baseball cards from former and current Mariners. He has... Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. card, an Ichiro card. It looked like an Edgar Martinez card. On one side, he has J.P. Crawford and Cal Raleigh. Um, he has the Cal, Cal Raleigh card, tops now card, from when he hit a walk-off home run to send him to the playoffs. So he did a really good job designing that and tying it in with what he with with the stadium. And there's always cool stuff and designs that goes along with that. But Joey Decord rocking that. He's got. Uh, some stuff to Arizona State on there as well, wrapping in the colors of the crack. And so just thought that was really, really cool to wrap in the baseball theme. And I mean, as someone who grew up uh, collecting baseball cards and um, being kind of a nerd that way, I thought that was a really cool mask. So yeah, Joey Decord rocking a baseball card themed mask. Um, be sure to check that out on New Year's uh, Day. And if, you, if you're looking for it, you can listen to it here on 720 starting at 1.30. But that'll wrap it up here for Blackhawks Live. Thanks to Joe Brand for letting me sit in for him and, and for joining us. The Hawks are hosting the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow, 7.30 pregame with Joe Brand. Puck drop at 8 with John and Troy. Thanks to Patrick Hennessy for filling in for me and Dan Long for helping me out here engineering. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow, or Joe will talk to you guys tomorrow from United Center starting at 7.30.